Welcome to the Bill Kelly Podcast, critical discussions in critical times. Here's your host, Bill Kelly. And this is the Bill Kelly Podcast, critical discussions in our critical times. I'm your host, Bill Kelly. Uh, the headline is, is a headline that's probably going to appear in cities right across the province of Ontario over the next little while. This one is in Hamilton, uh, where Hamilton transit workers are planning to strike on Thursday. According to the union, they've taken a strike vote and like 99.9% of the workers decided, yeah, we're, we're going out. Uh, they want more money. Go figure. You know, after uh, going through COVID and the restrictions that were going on, many unions are holding out for situations like this. I mean, the same thing's happening in the auto industry these days. Uh, but it's as it's, it's problematic as it is uh, right now when it talks about transit, it, to my mind, actually, it's part of a bigger picture. And it comes down to, of course, what else in politics? Money or lack thereof. Uh, cities have been strapped. They were warned after COVID that there was no more money coming from the feds or the province after all those assistance programs that were out some time ago. And uh, you know about the, 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 the concerns in the city of Toronto these days. The city of Ottawa is saying the same sort of thing. Uh, Burlington, just beside Hamilton, uh, is talking about a huge tax increase. As a matter of fact, in Hamilton, the, the initial numbers for the 2024 tax season, they're talking about something like a 13 or 14% increase. Now, God help us, I don't think it's going to be that high in Hamilton. But I think it indicates the, the problems that cities are facing these days. And... Uh, it looks as if the old bailout about, well, the, the feds and the province will come through for us at the last minute. I'm not so sure. The cavalry's coming. I want to ask our guest about that. Uh, so pleased to welcome back to the program, John Best. Uh, John Best is the, the publisher of the Bay Observer, uh, covering municipal politics, provincial politics, especially here in southern Ontario for many, many years now. John, great to have you with us today. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Well, it's great to be back with you, Bill. Is, is the, the possible transit strike a, a, a symptom of a greater problem here? Oh, I think it is. Uh, we're, we're seeing it in the private sector, Bill, where uh, the automobile uh, strikes that just took place and, and the kind of raises that those people are getting, uh, they're in excess of 5% a year. And this is a, really a throwback to years and years and years where uh, employment was tight and uh, uh, employers could get away with not increasing people's salaries. And then uh, we, we've gone through a relative boom period and, uh, you know, in the last five or six years, all of a sudden there's demand for all these products and, and profits are up. And uh, it's sort of a cows coming home situation after probably a decade of, of wage restraint, including even to some extent at the, at the uh, uh, public sector level where, uh, you know, we had uh, Doug Ford putting in a a measure that, that capped uh, public sector raises at 1%. I think most people would argue they could stay at that. But, uh, you know, there's just been a general uh, freeze on salary increases for at least a decade. And suddenly uh, everybody's demanding more and uh, they're probably going to get it. I, initially, as you and I have discussed over the last couple of years, uh, the, the immediate impact was, well, yeah, they had their salaries frozen, so it's payback time. You know, we, we want more money just because you wouldn't let us get more money. By the way, they seem to have the courts on their side now. But the greater problem that I don't know that any politician saw coming uh, was this beast of inflation uh, and cost of living. I mean, the, the double-headed monster that's out there where these guys aren't just saying, hey, we want more money because we think we deserve it. They want more money because they, they need to survive. You know, the price of groceries, the cost of their mortgage, if they had to get their mortgage renewed over the last year, uh, there's sticker shock on that, too. So I, I can see their point. I mean, the immediate uh, reaction from some people, especially in politics, is to simply be dismissive of it and say, look, it's not going to happen. 
but I can see their point at the same time. I mean, they're looking at the same problems you and I are trying to make ends meet. And that's not just a cliche these days. It's a reality for a lot of people. Well, it is. And, and I think the big one, uh, well, you've mentioned two of them, certainly the food inflation, but the big one is, that's hanging over everybody's head is when these mortgage renewals start coming along, uh, they're going to add literally thousands to the monthly uh, housing housing bill. And that that's pretty frightening. So I think, uh, you know, you're, you're seeing that. And uh, in the case of Hamilton, where our bus uh, workers will be walking out in two days, if uh, nothing happens. They're simply saying three and a half percent doesn't cut it. We need at least five. And they point to, you know, some some moves that the city made that were uh, in retrospect uh, a bit questionable, giving, you know, much larger raises to their non-union people. So uh, it's uh, and, and a bus strike in Hamilton couldn't come at the worst time or, or really any city in Ontario because they, they've all been through the uh, pandemic. They've all lost ridership significantly. They're just starting to get their ridership back to uh, proper levels. And now if there's an extended strike, uh, we're going to see another dip and it's uh, God knows how long it'll take to get the riders back. And again, you're right. I mean, this is probably, you know, shining a spotlight on a problem that's existed for quite some time here about the, the cooperation or lack thereof uh, between the three levels of government. And, and, you know, we've we've done comparators. You've written about it uh, for a long time, John, about, uh, you know, other countries, other G7 nations, for instance, and how they deal with some of these problems. Uh, and, and Canada just doesn't seem to catch on or they don't want to, I guess. I mean, even the United States, who's gone through some rather small C conservative governments over the last 25, 30 years uh, with the Bushes and Bush Jr. and Reagan, et cetera, uh, they still have maintained uh, a pool of money for things like municipal reform, roads, highways, transit, things of this nature. And it's it's always being fed. In other words, it's, there's no sunset clause there. It's a fund that exists for American cities to be able to tap into for worthwhile projects. So it's always going to be there. Maybe not as much as they want, but, you know, Dubuque, Iowa can get us an opportunity just as New York City does. Here, uh, finally, after people continue to scream about this, our federal government uh, will finally say, oh, okay, here's a big pot of money. And they make a big announcement with about three or four ministers, you know, the, the song and dance that they do. But there's a sunset clause to it. It's going to be like over two years. And invariably, once we see the breakdown, Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver get most of the money anyway. Uh, so we're not really solving anything here. They're creating a headline, but they're not making the, the, the problem go away. What's incredible, Bill, is to see the siloing between uh, levels of government that still exists. Uh, you know, here it is, uh, 2023, and uh, they're still operating almost as if they don't know each other exists. The immigration minister yesterday, uh, speaking about the immigration quotas that he's uh, projecting for the next two or three years, he said, hey, we're, we're going to finally take into account housing and uh, job availability. And I looked at that and I thought, you mean you've been doing it all up until now with these numbers and, and haven't been taking in the capacity of provinces and cities to absorb these people? And, uh, you know, I'm speaking as somebody that, that says immigration is absolutely vital uh, to a country with a low birth rate like we have. But you can't just say we're going to set, you know, the, pro the Fed set the quota and the province says, oh, that's great. Uh, where are we going to put them? And, I, you know, it's just incredible that there isn't better coordination uh, at a time when you, when you like to think that we're more sophisticated, perhaps, than we were 20 or 30 years ago. 
but uh, that's just one tiny example. But what it's doing is putting municipalities uh, in a rather precarious position. And and I, I get it. I know the response I'm going to get from, from MPs and MPPs when, when they're listening to this podcast, like, oh, we've got our own financial problems and, and crises. And I, I guess they do. Certainly they do. But what there's the old thing about, you know, you're at the bottom, all the shit falls on you. And that seems to be what's going on in the municipalities these days. You know, the feds can say no or put their money where they want and the, and the province can do the same sort of thing. Uh, but the, the, the municipalities uh, don't have very many options at this stage. Um, you know, the, the only way, that, as, and I know we're getting into the realm of, of taxation and, and property taxation is, is the most regressive form of taxation because it's not based on your ability to pay. It's based on where you live, you know, what kind of a building you're living in. Uh, and that's problematic. But nobody's talked about changing that. So we're stuck with this system. We are. And, uh, you know, again, the lack of coordination, like we're at a time now where, uh, people are really struggling, Bill. Um, there's uh, In Hamilton, we're facing this 14% increase. Now, whether uh, it will end up being that or not, uh, it's likely not. But on the other hand, uh, our mayor in Hamilton is saying that she's definitely going to be dipping into reserves as part of the solution. So that implies uh, no cuts in spending, uh, just we'll find the money another way, which is uh, a short-term argument, but there, there, there's just, they're just at cross purposes. All three levels of government are totally at cross purposes. Uh, now, the only unity I see between uh, the three levels is that both the Ford government and the federal government seem to have come to the conclusion that the housing crisis is largely the fault of cities. So they've stripped away all the planning powers that cities have now and said, you, you were the problem. The reason we don't have these houses built, it's it's uh, your planning departments, your nimbyism. And there's a bit of truth to that because a local politician, you served as a local counselor, mm-hmm. and, and you know that it's very hard to resist those local pressures. If, if your community is up in arms against a high rise or something, it's tough. But having said that, uh, you know, I don't think the cities are completely responsible for the housing crisis. I suspect the biggest problem right now with housing is is simply the fact that interest rates have uh, damn near tripled uh, since uh, before the pandemic, and and people that had condo projects on the go they're they're kind of hanging back now because uh, they're they're either going back to the people who signed up for those condos and asking for more money, and it sounds like some of them are are doing that. But then we've got other circumstances in Toronto where people are walking away from $300,000 deposits. So I, I think there's a terrible housing crisis coming once some of these mortgages uh, come up for renewal. And uh, I don't think uh, having the feds in the province blaming it on slow moving planning departments is going to cut up with the public. No, and, and I, I saw that firsthand when I was on council a number of years ago, of course, uh, where, where one one resident could hold up a whole project for over a year uh, simply because they didn't like it. You know, I, I, I don't want a high rise across the road from me. Yeah, but it's, it's been in plan there for the last 10 years. Yeah, but I don't want it. When did you move in there? Three years ago. Well, you already knew that it was going to be there. Yeah, but I don't want it. And you could go to your local councillor who would vote against it and get his buddies on council to vote against it. It would go to the tribunal. Uh, and, and there'd be an appeal, a yada, yada, yada. And, it, and sometimes you could placate that one individual by saying, 
how about we put a gate on your back fence? How's, oh, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm good with that. But how much time was wasted? How many hundreds of thousands of dollars were wasted? So I, I get it. Yes, there were some people uh, that were holding up the process. And yes, there are some people on city council that would rather hold up a project for hundreds of thousands of dollars for the sake of getting a lawn sign on that property for the next election. And that's got to be a problem. But do you blow up the whole system because of that? No, you don't. And, and, and certainly, uh, you know, we are seeing uh, a slow uh, beginning of, uh, you know, some widespread housing development, um, you know, just driving through this city, uh, the number of towers uh, that's popping up. Thing I worry about with some of them is, is that they're in neighborhoods. Some of these towers are going up in neighborhoods that, quite frankly, uh, you're asking people to spend six, seven hundred thousand dollars on a condo. And these neighborhoods are some of them are kind of seedy, to be honest. And I'm thinking, what's going to be the cost once these buildings are up? There's going to be a demand for streetscaping. Uh, you know, uh, people aren't going to want to be on uh, in a in a neighborhood where they're spending this kind of money and you know for a condo paying you know maybe four thousand a year in taxes and uh, being in a neighborhood that's uh, kind of gritty so you know we're building fast but the the overall environment surrounding some of these buildings uh, is going to have to be taken into account and I think that's going to fall almost entirely on city councils. Yeah, once again, uh, you know, the burden is on them. Uh, and, you know, I think everybody watching this podcast today in whatever city or community they're in can think of, yeah, I don't want to live on that street. You know, it's at night, you know, the crime rates like or the perceived crime rate sometimes, which can be just as bad as the reality. Uh, so what's that mean? Better lighting, better streetscaping. That's going to cost money. Better policing. Want to get into that debate again? Defund the police. I, you don't hear that very much anymore, by the way, no. uh, because people understand that th there's a reality here. Uh, no, the, that's the way in which police actually are operating and, and deployed is one thing, uh, but you need that kind of protection in cities. So, you know, again, that's all done on the municipal level. You made a, an interesting point years ago when you were on the radio show with me about pressures for city councillors uh, to say, OK, you've got to reduce that number. And I, uh, maybe that whole discussion started back around 1995 with uh, Mike Harris and the Common Sense Revolution when he dumped all that crap on the municipalities, the cost of, of social services and things. He said, all you have to do is like find 5% savings. It's a, a small, oh, and people said, yeah, well, sure, they should be able to do that. But that means staff, because 90% of, of a, a municipal budget is staff paying uh, the people that fix the roads, paying police, paying, paying fire. If you want to slash those budgets, that means you're letting people go, which has an impact on service levels, doesn't it? Well, it does, unless uh, I, I've often said this about uh, the governmental level, uh, you know, and, and I, I get the argument that, you know, governments probably can't run like businesses, uh, but it seems that uh, government, it's always increasing. It's never, there's never uh, any attempt at cost cutting. Now, maybe it's a function of the demands the public make for services, but in Hamilton, uh, it, it just spirals, uh, you know, this current council has not only hit, not counting the 14% that we're contemplating, uh, has already hit the city with the biggest tax increase since uh, 20, 2000, probably. Mm -hmm. But uh, massive staff increases year, you know, in, in one year, they've added over 250 staff. So, you know, there, there doesn't seem to be, I don't think at the municipal level, at least, there there is any sort of uh, 
intellectual uh, capability of reducing costs. Uh, it, it just seems like they're, you know, they're, they're going to be advertising right now for a new city manager for Hamilton. My guess is there isn't one of them that, that could tell council how to save money. Or would be listened to if they did. Yeah. <laughs> and we've seen that circumstance in the past too. Uh, so, so you've got this conundrum right now, and, and it's exacerbated by the fact that uh, if you do get a brave council, if I can use that adjective in that context, uh, that says, okay, we're going to slash the public works budget. Okay, we're going to, millions of dollars, we're going to try to keep those costs down so you can get lower taxes. I guarantee you, uh, with God as my witness, the minute that happens, somebody's going to call the counselor and said, I thought you were going to do my street this year. No, well, we, we, you wanted the tax decrease. You called me 15 times about we're reducing your taxes. Uh, and now you want me to you know, bring that same. You can't have both. You can't, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. If, if the want lower prices and lower taxes, and, and just about every ratepayer does, they got to understand that it's going to have an impact on the service level. Maybe the snowplow is not going to come around as fast as they want it to. Uh, maybe the garbage is only getting picked up every two weeks. I mean, those are options right now that don't seem to be palatable to anybody. Uh, but what else can they do? Well, we have another issue uh, where uh, uh, the Ford government in Ontario has uh, reduced the development fees on certain kinds of buildings in the cities. When they when they put that through, they said that the cities would, quote unquote, be made whole. It's a year or more later. Um, and uh, I sent a note over to the housing ministry two weeks ago and said, when are we going to learn more about the me methodology uh, that will make these cities whole? Because they're all budgeting right now as if they're going to lose tens of millions of dollars, which is, you know, you have to budget as if it's not there. Yeah. So they're they're doing the prudent thing. But if they're going to be made whole, when are we going to find out? I mean, surely the provincial government realizes that every municipality in Ontario is planning their budgets now. And this would be a good time to know. Uh, if there is money coming, and, and there should be because it was promised, uh, why, you know, how are we going to get it? What method are, is it going to come our way? And uh, we're hearing nothing on that. So you've got these pressures, uh, some of them beyond our control, some of them globally driven, market driven. Uh, interest rates, we're told, are going to come down in 2024. I don't know how much. I, you hear varying stories on that. And that's going to have an impact on mortgage rates. Uh, could have an impact on housing prices, a number of things like that. So that may or may not happen. Uh, but the concern here, as you say, is the fact that nobody seems to have uh, the intestinal fortitude, shall we say, to make some of the tough calls on some of these other issues. Uh, and as a result, we're looking at, as you say, enormous tax increases in just about every city here in Ontario right now. Uh, and given the fact that that's really politically driven as opposed to market driven, is is is, uh, is the new normal now just going to be higher property taxes for everybody? I mean, you know, every, everybody who runs for office says, I'm going to lower your taxes. But that's not happening. It's not going to happen anytime soon, especially now when we're looking at 7, 8, 10, 12% increases in property taxes. It's it's not fear-mongering to suggest that you're going to drive some people out of their homes. Well, and I, I think the other thing is uh, municipalities need to stay in their lane uh, we have a city council in Hamilton right now that thinks it's their job to solve the uh, environmental crisis. And they're spending uh, not a lot, but if you add it all up, they're spending millions and millions of dollars on e-bikes and, and various measures. And uh, 
What I would say is we have a federal government that's, that's got a carbon tax uh, that is not very popular, but it might be more popular if they'd simply make a municipality like Hamilton whole on, on even their environmental measures. Uh, you know, we, we keep getting told that there's more money coming back from the carbon tax than going out, but it, I certainly haven't seen it. And no. I, I think, uh, you know, maybe some of these local initiatives uh, should be funded out of that. And I don't see that, frankly. Well, and I think what we're getting is a reality check here, too. I mean, when these programs were instituted and implemented by an awful lot of the municipalities, I think a lot of people, uh, environmental groups, certainly, but even some of the elected officials were kind of giving themselves a pat on the back and see, we have the courage and the vision. This is what's going to make it a better planet. We're not going to do this anymore. We're going to recycle this. We're going to repurpose this. And then all of a sudden, we're starting to get over the last year or two stories about you know, how much it costs to recycle. Do you know what the process is? Do you know, by the way, that's not reducing your carbon footprint at all when you do that? Uh, that it could actually be making it worse. And now, well, wait a second here. In other words, did we get sold a bill of goods here? I think there's a lot of skepticism and it's well-founded. Well, if you're talking about recycling, the other problem is that the market for some of these recycled goods has disappeared. So uh, that, that's a problem. And uh, in Hamilton, uh, we have a situation where we, we have a landfill, uh, but any attempt to find any other way of disposing like uh, uh, you know, the, the like Europe, they still incinerate most of their garbage. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't do it. And uh, so we have no option except to uh, a never ending filling up of landfills. It's, uh, you know, and, and I think people have reduced their overall uh, recyclable uh, footprint. I think people have done a pretty good job of, of, of trying to make it work. But, you know, uh, Imagine the, the market for paper. If you think about what's happened to the newspaper industry, where, yeah. the recycling market for paper, I wonder what's happened to that these days. I just, I, I, I to a little part of me, I have this little pang of, of, of I, I guess, regret for an awful lot of the people that got elected to city council during the last municipal elections. And I mean, province-wide, because there were a lot of problems and they came up and said, we're going to make things different. You know, we're going to get rid of those old people on council that have been there for 25, 30 years. We're going to bring new, fresh ideas and we're going to make this a better city. And I, I got to think at this point, John, as, as they're, you know, about halfway through this term, they're thinking, what the hell did I get into? I, I know nobody saw this coming. Nobody. And uh, now it's up to them to fix it. And I, I don't know that they've got the tools or the, even the ideas to do it. No, and uh, it's a period of major transition because uh, we don't have the leadership at the staff level right now. That's all in flux. So uh, it's kind of an uncertain time right now. And I can tell you there's, uh, there's all kinds of political unrest starting to uh, bubble around uh, the city and various, in various parts of the city. So um, we're, you know, I think they're feeling their necks to a certain degree. Well, we look ahead to 2024. I know it's a little bit early to start making predictions, uh, but I think there's an argument to be made that there's a potential powder keg here happening within the municipalities. We already know what's going on federally and provincially. We could be thrown into an election uh, federally because of what's going on with the, the carbon tax and a couple of other issues. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with the Ford administration and the RCMP investigation and, and some of the, the things that have gone on there. But municipally, uh, you know, that's where the, the rubber hits the road. And uh, it's going to be a fascinating year, a very challenging year. And uh, we'll be talking about it, of course, on the podcast. John, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for this today. Stay well. My pleasure, Bill. Al, that's it for this edition of the Bill Kelly Podcast. Thanks for listening. 
And thanks for subscribing, too. As always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. You can reach us on YouTube, Facebook, on Twitter, or X, as you call it, Instagram, or an email at thisisbillkelly at gmail.com. Till next time, this is Bill Kelly. Take care. Let's talk again soon. This podcast was brought to you by Rebecca Wizens and her team at Wizens Law. Rebecca Wizens is a 20-time winner of the Hamilton Reader's Choice Awards for their exceptional client care and legal practice specializing in personal injury, car accidents, accidental falls, and Wilson Estates. Now, if you or a loved one have been seriously injured, or if you want to make sure that your family is taken care of for the future with a will and powers of attorney, call Rebecca Wizens, 905-522-1102 for a free consultation. When life happens, you can rely on Rebecca Wizens and Wizens Law. And trust me, Rebecca is my wife. I don't know what I'd do without her. That's Wizens Law, 905-522-1102 for a free consultation. Subscribe to my Substack for timely news updates and commentary straight to your inbox. Let's keep the conversation going. I'd love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Let me know what you think we should be talking about next by contacting me through my website at www.billkelly.co. Thanks for tuning in. This is Bill Kelly. Till next time, you take care. Thank you.